enough of that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 20, be in verses 22 through 26 this Sunday morning. I'll give you a moment to turn there, and so whenever you get there, just give me a good old Sunday morning, amen. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to see that Moses would go on to write and say this. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall make you shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or, or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. In an altar of heaven you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I will accord my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by the steps to my altar, that your nakedness may, may not be exposed on it. Hallelujah. If you wouldn't mind, just bow your heads with me this morning. Dearly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we want to thank you for everything that you've done there for us at Calvary. Father, for you showing us that law of the altar, that everything we need is found in Christ, who he is and what he's done there at the cross. Because Lord, this is the law that we are to be found living by. This is the path of righteousness, Father, that we're to be found walking down because that is where the light of Christ, the light of righteousness is shining all the brighter, moment by moment, Father, drawing us closer to you. In that soon coming day, Father, we're gonna come and collect your church and collect your bride and take us on out of here on the glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, it's by the cross, Father. We march by the blood. We walk through the blood, Father. Hallelujah. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you show us that, that this is the law that you've called us to live by. This is the path you've called us to walk down. And Lord, in these last days, don't let us look to the right or to the left or be distracted by anything else, but keep our eyes focused on the author and the finish of our faith. Lord, you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, but above all, hearts that are ready and willing to receive receive from you this morning and you help us to decrease as you should ever increase and don't let us leave like we came in Jesus name everybody said amen and amen well hallelujah you know I want to give a little background on Exodus 20 Exodus 20 as many of you know this is the chapter where God would give the law to Moses and a lot of the church, well, they want to focus on that. They want to focus on those first 21 verses, talking about how God is the lawgiver, how he's the law speaker. But they forget and they pass over 22 through 26 in what my Bible titles this section as, and this is the title of my message, the law of the altar. Because they skip over this because we're going to talk a little bit about it. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But here's the reason why the law of the altar is so important, that why God gave it to Moses after he gave the law. It was God showing Moses... The reason for the law, which was to show that you cannot live up to my standard of righteousness, that you can't make it by what you can do. But he's saying, Moses, I'm showing you this. I'm teaching you this, but I'm not going to leave you just where you're at. But I'm going to teach you about the altar. Hallelujah. How to build it, how to construct it, and how you are to offer every, all the burnt peace sack offerings, all the oxen, the lambs, everything upon this altar. Hallelujah. You got to even remember, what did God do with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.20. It shows that he clothed them in the skins of animals, which shows God showed them how to offer sacrifice. He didn't come to them with the law. He came to them with the sacrifice, showing them it was all about Christ, who he is and what he was going to do at the cross, honey. My God, hallelujah, because that's what God brought to us in our moment of our greatest need of him. 
was showing us you're a sinner in need of a savior. Exactly like Brother Curtis said, that those who find him are those who are looking for a savior, who know who they really are, and God will bring you to the Lamb of God. He'll bring you to the cross where there is your life. Because out of his death, when you say yes to him, we talked about it a little bit yesterday on the podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Amazing, great teaching, great truths. But it was there where God brought that illumination, showing when you say yes to me and yes to my son, I baptize you in his death, burial, and resurrection. And out of his death comes our new life. And we can't be that new creation if there wasn't a death a death to ourself, that separation, and us embracing him and the Holy Spirit being found now, manifesting Christ's life all the more in our heart and our life by giving us over to death. And again, this is what he was gonna show Moses. And that's what we see in verse 22, that before he could really go into depth on the teaching of the law of the altar, we see in verse 22 again where it says, then the Lord said to Moses, I want you to notice that it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, he has to come speaking to us, that speaking us to that truth. But here's the thing, we gotta be found hearing by faith. Again, we see in Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And that word of God is the word of the cross, hallelujah. Because again, we see in Hebrews chapter one, verse two, that it says that in these last days, God is speaking to us through his son. And you gotta understand this, there's only one person, one place that God is always gonna be found exalting, and that is Christ and him crucified. Because Hebrews 2, 9 even shows us this, that's where, that is where he uplifted his son to taste death once and for all for us, hallelujah. And then you see him, my Lord, hallelujah. And you don't have to turn there, but I want you to see this, that in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Give me a minute there while I'll turn there. But Isaiah 42, verse 1, we see this. Just bear with me here. Where it says, and it says, Behold my servant, whom I have uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice to the Gentiles. That is Christ right there. He is the one that the Spirit of God descended upon, like what we see in Matthew 3, 17, whenever he was baptized, and the Spirit came in that form of the dove and rested on Christ, signifying this is my servant in whom my Spirit has come upon, hallelujah, to preach the good news, to preach the kingdom of God, to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, hallelujah. Again, Jesus taught about the, the, law, the law of the altar. The, my Lord, the Beatitudes, everything. Thing Christ said. It was all pertaining to what he was going to do at Calvary. My Lord, hallelujah, because that's where God's favor was shown. That's where, again, he uplifted the son. And again, that's what Christ is saying. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, meaning you uplift that finished work. And God, my Lord, will draw you closer to him. And you can draw near with a true heart, meaning a true heart under righteousness. Hallelujah. And in that place, you can then now be found hearing by faith because self is no longer a problem. Hallelujah. When you're consumed with the sacrifice, because again, my Lord, I love what Brother Curtis was saying a little bit before service when we were talking. 
that those that the flames, the fires of Calvary is what's going to keep self back. Hallelujah. Because self can't pass through that fire because it knows if it does, it's going to be burned away. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because the fire is that dividing line, just like that line, the sand that Moses drew whenever he said, who is on the Lord's side? Hallelujah. And then the Levites came out. Hallelujah. The fires of Calvary is that dividing line to where self, the world and the flesh, the devil knows I cannot cross because if I do, I know I must submit to that my God, that place of surrender, meaning I, it cannot be about me. It's got to be about him, my Lord. And when you're found in that place of surrender and of dependence, it's not about you. Hallelujah. Because you know what my Lord, what Christ said, what John the Baptist said, I must decrease as he should ever increase. And then you can be found hearing by faith and hearing God speak to you through his son and showing you, you must go to the altar. You must go to Calvary, hallelujah. Because look, even notice this, Abraham, in Genesis, 3, in Genesis chapter 13, we see that whenever he went down to Egypt, he wasn't hearing by faith. Do you ever read in that in, that, in Genesis where God told Abraham to go down to Egypt? No, he told him to stay in Canaan. He erected that altar right between Bethel and Ai, but he erected that his tent towards Bethel, the house of God. And God told him, you stay in Canaan. And even that famine comes, know that I've given you everything you need. Know I am your provider, hallelujah. And Abraham would even call him Jehovah Jireh later on in his life. God is my provider, hallelujah. And then we'd see, but yet Abraham, like a lot of, a lot of something, like we do a lot of times when we put our cross down for that moment, we bite off a big piece of stupid. He goes down to Egypt, and then we see he puts the whole plan of God at risk. But thank God the Lord came through. He taught Abraham, saying, Abraham, when you make it about yourself, this is what's going to happen. You put your own wife's life at risk. Not just my redemption plan, but your own wife's life at risk. Because you are consumed about you and your safety and not your family. And especially the promise that I told you, that through your family will come the Messiah. And we see Abraham learn his lesson. And God told Abraham, go back to where it all started. He went back to that same altar that he erected at Bethel. And what did he do? He offered a sacrifice there once again, signifying it's not about him, but it's about the redemption plan. It's about the sacrifice. And then God would take Abraham even further in Canaan. And like what we're seeing this morning, before Moses could learn more about the law of the altar, he had to be found hearing by faith. Hearing about the one that God will be found uplifting for all eternity. Because even in that perfect age, you're still going to be hearing, worthy, worthy is a lamb that was slain before the very foundations of the world. That's what we're going to be saying for all eternity. What we were singing this morning, worthy, worthy is the lamb who sits on the throne. And there we can be even found, notice this, even in this just a little side, side note, that in that perfect age to come, we're perfect, we're holy, we're like him. And there we can truly learn of what he's done there at Calvary. Because right here on this side of glory, we're just scratching the surface. But there in that perfect age, we'll be found hearing by faith moment by moment for the rest of eternity, learning of all that he's truly done there for us. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to that day. But until then, we have to be found fighting that good fight of faith, striving moment by moment, hearing 
by faith, hearing about the one who died for us. My Lord, to where if we need an answer to a question or need a need, a need supplied, we gotta go to Calvary. If we wanna grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we gotta go to the cross, hallelujah. And then we go on to see what you'd see in verse 23, that after that, and I wanna kinda focus on this a little bit, it says this, you shall not make anything to be with me. Notice that. God is saying, you, you shall not, this is going back to the second commandment where he says that thou shall not have no other gods before me. This is what God is saying. You are not to put anything on my level. You are not to erect or worship anything besides me. Hallelujah. Because again, he's a jealous God. He wants our praise. He wants our worship, but he's not gonna force it. We gotta be willing to give it to him. But he says, you have to be willing to follow me and not something else. You are to be consumed with all that I am. Hallelujah. Because my Lord, it's an example. If you're married or in a relationship, your attention should be on your spouse or on your partner. You shouldn't be found looking to somewhere else. It's to be on that one person that God has chosen for you. It's the same thing with us. Us. We are to be the one, he is to be the one that is supposed to be the focus and the object of our faith. Because if we are found looking to somewhere else, we're committing spiritual adultery against him. If you don't believe me, go read it in Romans chapter seven, verses one through four. Paul's talking about it. We commit spiritual adultery. And again, this is God reinforcing the fact you are not to look to anybody else. But I want you to even notice this. He even narrows it even further. He says, God's of silver, God's of gold. What did God give the children of Israel whenever they left Egypt? Gold and silver for the purpose of what? Of the tabernacle. The construction of the furniture of the tabernacle. And he's saying that jewelry, those, those precious metals are not to be used for anything but for me. But if you read on a little bit further in Exodus 32, what happened? think, Andrew, I think you said it was 50 days that Moses was on 40 days on Mount Zion or on Mount Sinai, talking with the, law, talking with the Lord, learning all these things. The Jews grew impatient. They thought Moses died. They thought God abandoned them. So what did they do? They looked at Aaron and said, Aaron, make us a God. And what did Aaron tell them? Bring me the gold, bring me the silver. And what happened? Aaron put in the gold and, out, and he made the calf which signified, again, what does the gold typify? It typifies the deity of Christ. They took that gold that represented the deity of Christ and they turned it into a false god. They turned it into a false idol, signifying that that's what they were worshiping. And that silver was incorporated in that making as well to where they were looking to that calf, meaning they were looking to themselves for their own redemption, for them to be changed, for them to live their life by what they want to. Because again, the gold represents the deity of Christ. Silver represents the redemption of Christ. He had to be the one that could he was the only one who could redeem us and he's the only one who can be found changing us glory by glory faith by faith conforming us all the more to the image of Christ but this wasn't good enough for Israel this wasn't good enough for him yes they hadn't heard the lot this time but they saw God deliver them from Egypt they saw what God could do they knew better than to build another idol to build another cat because the idol worship of Egypt should have taught them better because God even proved it that there is no other God 
beside me, that there is none like me, there is none before me, and there is none coming after me. And that's what he was doing to Egypt to show the children of Israel. These idols, these gods that the Egyptians are worshiping, they will do nothing for you and they will do nothing for them because watch, they'll pray, they'll ask their gods for deliverance and their gods will not deliver them from the judgment, from the wrath that I am pouring upon them. And sure enough, those gods never came through because they were fake, they were idols, they were demonic spirits. Hallelujah. But yet there was one that was always present when Israel was in trouble. It was the Lord God Almighty, hallelujah, who delivered them from the slavery, who delivered them from the burden, who delivered them from the hardship and brought them out into the wilderness, fed them by manna. My Lord, even made rock, made water come out of a rock and it followed them by day and by night hallelujah signifying that he is our living water he is our satisfaction that he is the living that my lord that he's the man is sent down from heaven and if we'll just partake of him and of that finished work on calvary we'll be satisfied all the days of our life but yet israel they reject this they were rejecting all of this because even notice this was even after the bitter waters of mara those waters were toxic. It was poisonous for them to drink. And they'd even see God tell Moses, looked off in the distance, there's a tree. That tree typified Calvary. He said, take that tree and toss it into the bitter waters, and it became sweet for them to drink. My Lord, meaning our lives before Christ, we were sour, we were rotten, we were dead. But then whenever we accepted him, behold, my Lord, behold, all things become new in Christ. The old has passed away, and my Lord, all things have become new because you put on the new man. Hallelujah. Oh, you laid off the immorality. My Lord, you laid off the sexual immorality. You laid all those things aside, and you put on the new man, Christ Jesus, and now are found walking in the paths of righteousness. In my favorite verse, Proverbs 12, 28, in the paths of righteousness, there is life and there is no death hallelujah hallelujah the my lord the path of righteousness that shuns brighter moment by moment mm. because all the words of god are established in righteousness and there's nothing crooked or twisted in his path in his word straight and narrow straight and narrow and that's what we were seeing moses god telling moses don't add to what i've already done don't touch what I've already called perfect. Again, what did he tell Peter? Don't call, clean, don't call unclean what I've already called clean. My Lord, hallelujah, signify you can eat the same foods of the Gentiles and don't say the Gentiles can't be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Can't, you cannot say that they cannot believe in me and the message of the cross because I've already declared them clean. I've broken down the barrier. So Peter, don't add to what I've already called clean. Hallelujah, don't take away from what I've already done. My Lord, and that's what exactly God was telling Moses again. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because again, he even says, you shall not make for yourselves. Don't make it about you. My Lord, because you didn't deliver yourselves from Egypt, it had to be me. My Lord, I, it had to be me. I led you by that fire. I parted the Red Sea to where you walked on the dry ground. And you saw me swallow up your enemy. In that Red Sea, I love what Brother Bass says, that Red Sea typifying the blood, and that the enemy was swallowed up by the blood. My Lord, to where we can run to the blood. We can run to Calvary and find that power to stand on his word. Because that's what Paul said, when you've done all you can do, just stand. Just stand on his word. Just stand on the cross. Again, this is what God was telling Moses. Just stand on what I've already shown you. Just stand on what I've already done for you. 
saying, because Moses, you've seen what I can do. I've showed you that I'm all you need. Just rest, just trust my word. That's what he told Adam and Eve. He was saying, look, I've given you all the trees in the garden. You can eat of any of the fruit off these trees, but the one I ask you not to eat of is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, in that day you shall die. He was just saying, trust in what I've already done. Because again, the garden even typified Christ. It typified Calvary. Everything we need is right there. So don't look to anywhere else. Hallelujah. And my Lord, again, that tree was put there was to test their faith, was to test that they would trust and believe God. Hallelujah. And it's the same thing. That sin nature, it's not destroyed, it's dormant. But it's there, it's left there to show as long as our faith is right, as long as we don't add or take away from the cross, it's gonna remain dormant, and we will not be found being ruled once again, be once again being slaves of sin, slaves of unrighteousness. As long as our faith is found grounded in Calvary, that finished work, that place of victory, the only place of rest. Again, then you see in 24, it says, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall offer on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Again, that altar of earth typified Christ's humanity. Again, proving he was the only one who could be that innocent sacrifice. Yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And that reason for it was, was so that way he could be the man Christ, Jesus, who could keep the law in its full entirety, obeying every aspect of that law so that when he died on the cross and said it is finished, we no longer had to live by the law as the man's for righteousness. You even see that Romans chapter eight, verses three and four, that he condemned sin in the flesh in that he brought to the end of the laws the man's of righteousness because he was that perfect, pure sacrifice. He done everything that God required because again, he told the Pharisees, I didn't come to destroy the law i've come to fulfill it hallelujah and it was, my lord even whenever he was dying he was already showing them that i met that i'm the one that you were looking to my lord because he'd even say my god my god why have you forsaken me if you go read psalms 22 that's what even david was saying my god my god why have you forsaken me it was a song that christ was singing to those religious leaders to all of them saying if you know psalms 22 and what david was saying this is i am the one my lord that you are looking to hallelujah and even whenever you read the end of psalms 22 it shows that god never forsaken david he never left david and on golgotha's hill you saw three crosses the father the son the holy spirit signifying this was how god was going to embrace humanity was at calvary's cross and how he was going to bring us back in and god didn't forsake us hallelujah oh hallelujah because on that cross he was saying this is where i am hallelujah this is where i've made myself known unto you and if you just come to my son oh hallelujah and just accept him embrace him as the pure, innocent lamb, hallelujah. There you will find me in your midst. Because again, you see in Proverbs that God says that those who diligently find me, who look for me, I will reveal myself to them. And then to those who love me and fear me, I will show them the secret of my covenant. Meaning he's gonna show you everything in the cross. 
He's gonna show you who Christ is, that he is the bread, that he is the living water, that he is your healing, whatever you need. My Lord, hallelujah, because again, what we talked about yesterday, the church, they're telling you to look to prayer, they're telling you to look to healing, they're telling you to put your faith in all these different aspects rather than the source, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And what, Stephen, what we explained yesterday, that he is the one that you're to put your faith in, that he is the one that you are to believe upon by you denying yourself, by you taking up your cross saying, Lord, I'm not going to look to the healing. I'm not going to look to this and look to that. I'm looking to where it came from, which came from the well of Calvary. Hallelujah. Because again, the dream of my Lord Ezekiel, because everybody wants to talk about the waters that, that was more than they can imagine, but they forget where the waters came from. It came from the altar and the temple. That was the first place God took Ezekiel in that vision where it started as a creek coming from that altar where it became that large body of water, signifying there has to be a means by which you receive it. Oh, hallelujah, because again, that, wa- that, that water, that pass on their staying, that was the source. But the altar was the means by which the water was coming from. Again, Christ is the source, but the cross is the means. And that's where you're to be found looking to. Again, looking to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Signifying that's where your faith is to be resting in. Mm. Because when your faith is resting in the cross, it's strong. It's secure. Why? Because it's resting in that sure foundation where the winds may blow and the rains may fall, but it's not going to be washed away. Matthew 7, 24, 25. Because again, Christ is our sure foundation. He is our yes and amen. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And that's where our faith came from. Second Peter 1, 1. Faith comes from righteousness. And who does righteousness speak of? It speaks of Christ and what he did at Calvary. My Lord, and as long as your faith is found grounded in where it came from, it's not gonna falter. It's not gonna waver. And you'll be found hearing by faith because it's not about anything else but about him. Can you see that Matthew 6, 22 through 24? That whatever the object of your eye is, that's what your body's full of, meaning that's what your heart is full of. And if your faith is found ground in the cross, it's going to be full of Christ. It's going to be full of light. Again, we've seen John 1, 5. It's the light that dispels all darkness, that removes every distraction, that removes every hindrance. Yes, that temptation's there knocking at our mind's door. But we understand that as long as I go to Calvary, what Stephen said so well, that's what truth does. It makes that real to us. Truth will always bring you back. Faith will always bring you back to truth of understanding. As long as I'm found standing on the cross, I don't have to give in because it's not what I need anymore. I need him because before you accepted Christ, sin is all we knew. And there was a lot of Christians who were struggling in bondage. And I'm just using this as an example because they don't know where their satisfaction is truly found. So they're going to whatever that vice is to satisfy their soul. But when they hear this message of who Christ is and what he did there at, for them at Calvary, there they find that liberty. There they find that victory, which is to show them that he's all that, he need, that, all that they need. And so whenever that temptation comes, they don't have to give back in. Because truth has made it real that when you hear the truth, it shall set you free. 
that he set us free at Calvary and he is our satisfaction. And again, this is what God was reinforcing to Moses. Signifying that you do exactly as I tell you on how to build the altar. You do exactly as I tell you. And even notice in the latter phrase, he says, I record my name. I will, he says, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Where is God's name recorded? It's recorded in Christ. And he's made that name known at Calvary. Because again, Colossians 1.15, Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. And if you even go back to John 14, you even see Philip would ask Christ, saying, Lord, how will we know the Father? How will we see the Father? And again, Jesus said, Philip, have you not been so long with me? Have you not walked with me for this long? Because I am he, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Have you not heard me tell you that I am the Son of God, that I am God in the flesh, hallelujah. I've come to make my Father's way known to you. And if you're looking at me, he was saying, Philip, if you will just believe on me, you're seeing the Father, who he really is, hallelujah. Hallelujah, and you're seeing his character, you're seeing his glory. Because what is the church trying to do? They're trying to bring down the glory of God. They're trying to make it trying to experience his character when they're, they're going by all these different ways when it's only found in one place and who Christ is and what he done at the cross. They don't want to, under, they don't want to believe 2 Corinthians 3.18 that, that we behold with open faces and a looking glass the glory of the Lord because that's where the veil has been taken away. Hallelujah. That we can look with unveiled face the glory of the Lord because Christ is that, is that looking glass. And the cross is the lenses, even notice that, by which we see him, hallelujah. Because when you look to the cross, you see Christ. You see the innocent lamb. You see the slain lamb. That's what John was saying whenever he was writing Revelations, that behold, I've seen the image of a slain lamb, hallelujah, the image of the lamb slain. That's what you see whenever you look through Calvary. It's the slain lamb of God. And in that slain lamb, you find God's love. You find his joy, you find peace, you find righteousness, you find everything when you just look to who he really is. And that's what God was telling Moses. Moses, just look to the altar. Just look to the altar. And there you'll find me because I've recorded my name on the altar. And I will bless you because of that single fact. Again, proving Deuteronomy 28, if you obey my commandments, I will bless you. And if, you'll, if you read on down further through those 14 verses, he says, where your storehouse will fill, it will run over. Your cup will run over, it will chase you down. Because why? Faith was right. Faith was in its proper and right object. But if you read the rest of that chapter, the rest of that chapter, it's some 60 verses long, and the rest of it, Tip is God warning them of what happens if they don't obey his commandment, if they don't obey the law of the altar. My Lord, and understand what the law was really meant for, the curses, and in the end, the land being taken from them. That's what happened. Because that was Israel's greatest hindrance was idolatry. Again, what's the greatest problem in the world today, especially in the church? It's understanding where to put my faith. And who, and, and who I trust. Because again, a lot of them doesn't want to, a lot of them don't want to embrace the cross. Because why? That's where self has to be put away. And where self has to be put on the shelf and it's all about Christ. Because that is still, 
the battle we fight today is making it about him or us. And your faith dictates that and what's gonna be in control, who's gonna be sitting upon the throne of your heart and your life. Again, that's why Paul said that where sin did much more abound, grace did all the much more abound, and grace reigns unto eternal life through what? Through righteousness, hallelujah, through Christ and what he did there at Calvary. And as long as we're found abiding in the place where he's ruling, that divine nature will be ruling, that new nature, because he's the one who sits upon the throne of our heart, and we're making all about him. But yet, if we, again, for that moment, put down our cross, we will go back to self, going back to Galatians 6, 8, reaping back into the flesh, and whatever we sow into, we shall reap. And what does Paul say about flesh? If you sow into the flesh, you shall reap nothing more corruption, because Galatians 5, 9 shows if you let a little, if you let a little leaven in, it leavens the whole lump. And if you just let a little flesh in and you don't bring it to Calvary and still allow that little flesh to spread, it's going to corrupt your faith. So you're found embracing the thing that God brought you out of. Again, that's what Paul told the Galatians in chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, saying, Galatians, I'm afraid that all the labor I've done for you is in vain. Because he's saying you've embraced what these Judaizers have told you of what they brought to you. Because why? Because that flesh in their heart left out to her is saying, I can make it about me. I can say I still believe in the cross. I can still say the cross is my motto, but I can go by what they're saying and still live life however I want to. Making a mixed gospel. It's like mixing oil and water. It's never going to mix, honey. If you try to mix oil and water, what's going to come to the top? Oil will always come to the top. And that shows if you try to mix flesh with the cross, flesh will always come out as supreme because you're choosing to go by the way of the flesh and you cannot mix it because it will never mix. Hallelujah. Again, it's like trying to mix gas and fire. It's just going to make it bigger and it's just going to spread and get hotter to where you can't even control it. And that's the reason why we have firefighters in this world today. Because we have some people who think they can play with fire and the firefighter has to come out and put out the mess. It's the same thing with Christ, that whenever we, un- whenever we get to that point of where it's out of our control and we say, God, I can't do anymore, Christ will come. He'll put out the fire. And God will show you this is why you don't go by the way of the law. This is why you don't go by the way of the flesh. You go by the way of the altar because that's where flesh has been subdued. And again, he will chastise us because he loves us enough to show us I'll let you walk down this path for a time to teach you a lesson. But at that moment, if you'll just embrace me, I will teach you, keep your faith in my son. Go by the way of the altar. Offer your sacrifices upon the altar. Because again, Israel would build other altars in what we call high, what the Bible says high places and not offered on the right altar to the Lord. Again, they'll say yes, but I'm sacrificing to God. I'm, off, I'm bringing an offering to him, but it's by another altar. It's by another way. And then Josiah would come by and get rid of the high places, would get rid of all those things because he understood it's about one altar, the brazen altar, which typified Christ, who he is and what he's gonna do at the cross, hallelujah. And it's the same thing. God will come by and rid of all those, other high, all those high places in our life. Again, bring it back to a singular focus, Christ and I'm crucified. Because again, that's what we even see 
in verse 25 where it says, and if you make an altar of stone, you should not build, build it of hewn stone. Hewn stone is where they would take their tools and they'd make decorations. They'd make something decorative on the altar. And God was saying, no, you're not gonna do that. The altar is supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be slim, simplistic. There's not, there's not gonna be anything extra added on to that altar, Moses. Don't you dare lay those tools on what I've already called perfect. Don't you dare already add to what I've already called finished, hallelujah. And again, that's what God is saying. Don't add to what my son has already done at the cross. Don't call what I've already called perfect and finished unrighteous and not finished, hallelujah. Because again, that's what Paul was saying. If righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. And my friends, Christ did not die in vain. It's a sure and finished work. And God is just saying, embrace the sacrifice. Embrace who Christ is and all that he's done and watch God work in your heart and your life. It's what God is doing. Job 7, 18 even shows us that, that he comes trying us in every morning, testing us, just seeing if we're just gonna put our faith in the cross because that's what God is saying. Just trust me and watch what I will do for you. My Lord, because again, the church says, oh, watch what God's gonna do in your heart and your life. Oh, yes, he's gonna bless you, honey. It's gonna be nothing but a field full of flowers and it's not gonna, it's not gonna be but nothing but a perfect life and there's no hardships because why? Because God is good and they say it with the smile and the people leave feeling good. But yet when the temptation and the trial comes, what happens? They fail the test. They fail it because that minister is adding to the finished work. They're adding to a perfect work and making it imperfect in an unfinished work because they're adding what they want to to it. But yet when you hear Brother Curtis, Andrew, or these us cross-preaching ministers preach, just believe in the finished work. Just trust in the cross and what Christ has already done because there you find the power. Because again, the message of the cross to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power to stand. It's the power to live right. It's the power to walk right. Where you're found growing in that grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, grace, the ability to live for God, to be able to stand up upon him. But the knowledge, and I love what Stephen said, that knowledge means you're learning a greater dependence. A greater dependence. I never heard that until yesterday. That grace it's the abil- is learning the ability on how to live for God. But the knowledge part of it is, is a greater trust and a greater dependence upon him. That brings a whole new light to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him and he shall guide you in his path. My Lord, that brings a whole new meaning to that. Because again, you're learning how to, how to live and walk for him, but you're learning to trust even more. A greater trust, a more giving yourself more over to him, surrendering more of your heart to him because you're doing what he told you to do. You hear by faith and understand it's already a finished work and I don't have to add to it. Because why God's already prepared the table, Psalms 23, 5. He's prepared the table in the midst of our enemies. In the valley of shout and fear of death, he's already prepared that table. And Proverbs not even shows us that. He's sent out wisdom, has sent out her handmaidens, saying to all those who are in their simple ways, leave your simple ways, which just means foolish ways. Leave what 
leave your fleshly ways behind and come to the house of God. Because it even says that wisdom has prepared the meat. She has mixed her wine. Again, the meat typifies his flesh. The wine typifies his blood. And Christ, going back to Isaiah 53, was that lamb led to the slaughter where the blood was spilled to where he'd say, this cup, the wine that's in this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's my blood, and my blood is the new covenant. In which he was saying, I am the new covenant. I am the mediator between you and my father. I've done the work so that way I can be your mediator. You don't have to go back to that high priest anymore. You just come to me. You just come to me and say, my father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Again, acknowledge him in all your ways and he shall direct your path. And my friends, he will always bring you back to Calvary. He will always bring you back to the cross and say, just trust and believe again. I know it's repetition, but what Brother Larson says, and I love it, repetition is the best teacher. Because, again, we have to be taught the lesson, the same lesson a lot of times. That's what I'm here to tell you. Just trust in the sacrifice. Just trust in the cross. Because God has already laid out the law of the altar. And he's already taught us. My Lord, hallelujah. My Lord, hallelujah. So you don't have to add to it. All you got to do is trust and remain. And singers and musicians, you can go ahead and come on back up as I'm closing this morning. And that's what I wanna show you this morning, is you just trust him at his word. Trust and obey. Because again, you even see in 1 Samuel 15, obedience is better than sacrifice. Because what does perfect obedience lead you to? It leads you to sacrifice. It leads you because out of a heart of love, you love him enough that you're willing to lay everything else aside and say, Lord, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna leave everything behind. And exactly what Christ said, if you don't, if you don't hate your mother and your father, then you don't love me. And it's not actually meaning you hate your family, but what it's meaning is don't let them take higher priority over him. And exactly that's what God was saying. Don't let the law that I've given you, Moses, take higher priority over the altar. Hallelujah. Because again, that's what he was saying. I've given you the law to show you there is an issue at hand. And that is your flesh and that is yourself. And I've given you the means by which you can overcome it. And the, what it means today is that God has already pointed out the issue. And that is our heart and that is our flesh. We are our own worst problem. But he says, I've already done the work. And if you'll just trust and abide in the cross and the law of Jesus Christ, again, for the law of spirit and life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. God says, I will do the work. I will grow you. Hallelujah. If you want a greater knowledge of Calvary, God just says, you trust you remain and I and you abide and I will teach you and guide you and all that my son has done I will make him real to you I'll make him more known to you to where you know Christ the hope of glory and the rich and the inheritance that is in the saints because he is our inheritance he is our prize that's what Paul was striving for that's what he's pressing onward to so he said I may know his my Lord that I may know his resurrection hallelujah to where I find a faith that comes by righteousness and not by the law. My Lord, my friends, if you want a greater understanding of who he really is, you just trust in what he's already done and what he's commanded you to live, to walk by, to live by. 
and that is Calvary. Hallelujah. And that's your heart's desire. You can just come up here and pour your heart out. My Lord, pour it out and just ask him for a greater revelation, a greater illumination. And you watch, he will do it because you're making it about his son and he'll make your son, his son realer to you. All you gotta do is surrender, lay everything aside and say, Lord, I choose to go the way of Calvary to where I will lay everything else aside and trust you. Hallelujah.